You are listening to the podcast of New Life Church in Wayland, Michigan. Our longing is to see zero people in our community living unchanged by Jesus. We are a church navigating the messiness of life together in community. One of our core convictions is that everyone is welcome, no one is perfect, and anything is possible. I hope you know there is a place in the family for you here. For more information on gathering times and location, check out our website. But for now, I hope God speaks powerfully to you through this word. Good morning, New Life. Man, it is really great to be back here with you again. Uh, My name is Brian. If any of you are new and I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I serve as uh, the senior pastor for the Zero Collective Network, this family of four churches right now, uh, and New Life is a part of that, and we're just going after Jesus with everything we have uh, until zero lives are living unchanged by him. And so that's what we're about, and um, I I don't... uh, you know, say this at all, like, uh, not seriously. I really, really mean this when I say I'm excited to be here. Uh, do you guys realize how special uh, this is, this place, and uh, what God's doing here? Um, a couple of weeks ago, or I guess it was a few weeks ago, I was able to be here on Easter Sunday morning. I drove from uh, one of our other churches. We actually had 10 services throughout the, the Zero Collective Network at four churches, and I was able to be here, and just, wow, what an incredible outpouring of God's Spirit. And then I drove from where I was, uh, and I, just so I could be here the next week as baptism was happening, and God is just moving powerfully here, and there's just some amazing things happening, and so uh, I hope you're excited to be a part of New Life during this time. Are you excited to be a part of this? You should be if you're not. Oh, man. And so I, I'm, a, I'm happy I get to be here and just kind of take us in the next step. What we're doing is we're looking at the Lord's Prayer uh, together. And we're, every week we're looking at a different kind of sentence, a different chunk of it, and talking about what does it mean to really lean into those prayers. Uh, but to be honest, I don't know why we call it the Lord's Prayer. Uh, really what we should call it is the Disciples' Prayer. Uh, because really Jesus taught his disciples to pray this prayer. And then he invited us as his disciples, even today, to pray this prayer. Um, So I'll get us into it like this. Uh, My great-grandmother passed away just a couple weeks shy of her 101st birthday. She lived a long, full life. And for the last several years of her life, she lived in a low-budget, low-cost nursing home. Okay, this was not the Ritz-Carlton. This was like uh, where you go if you're on a budget and you're trying to make those retirement dollars stretch as much as you can. Uh, in fact, my grandmother, I, the whole time I, I remember being a kid, she lived like a pauper. I mean, she drove the same old Chrysler, you know, until she finally couldn't drive anymore. She never updated her wardrobe or got new clothes for herself. Uh, and so I always thought my grandma was really, really poor. And in fact, when family members would say, hey, can, can we, you know, pay for this or take, you know, take care of this for you? My grandma would say, no, no, please don't do that for me. So imagine our shock as a family when she passed away at almost 101 years old to find out that my grandmother had an enormous nest egg of savings, well over half a million dollars she had in actual money, like savings. And and as a matter of fact, the inheritance that my parents got was actually what paid for my college degree. They weren't expecting that. They were, and so to this day, I'm thankful to my, to my grandmother. I'm thankful you know, to the legacy that she left us. But as I've gotten older and I've thought about my grandma, the question I've wondered is, why didn't she enjoy that a little bit? <laughs> you know, why did she live her entire life? Why, and especially in her final years, why didn't she touch any of that money? I mean, why didn't you treat yourself a little bit, grandma? That's what I've wondered because see, here's the thing. We loved her. 
I loved my grandma. All of us in our family, we loved her. We would have loved to have seen her enjoying that wealth a little bit, enjoying herself, living it up, living in a little bit of luxury and some comfort in the last years of her life. We, it wouldn't have mattered to us if we would have gotten you know, less of inheritance. We didn't even think we were getting anything. And so to this day, that's a question I, I don't have an answer to. I'll probably go to heaven and still and not have an answer to that question. Why didn't she touch that? I tell you that because I want to say to you, I believe that's how prayer is for most of us. For most of us here today, uh, for most of us watching, even online, even if you've been following Jesus for years and years and years of your life, that's how prayer is for so many of us. That's what our experience with prayer is like. We have these unbelievable riches that are available to us in Christ through prayer. But most of us are going to live our entire lives and not lay hold of it. Not touch those riches ever in our entire lives. And, and the problem is, we think too small. We, we go about asking God for a parking space at the mall or for the Lions to win this next season. And there's nothing wrong with those prayers, but God is capable of doing so much more. He's capable of so much greater in our lives. And so, you know, what happens is we end up saying, God, I trust you ultimately. I'll trust you with my future someday in heaven, but, but I won't trust you immediately and intimately and personally right now with the biggest needs of my life right now. And as a result, we are limited. Most of us as Christians, we're limited to the poverty of what only we can provide for ourselves. Jesus wants to do something greater. He teaches his disciples. The, the line we're looking at in the Lord's Prayer today is Matthew 6, verse 11. We can go to that now. And it says this, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Jesus taught his disciples to come to God with their needs and to say, hey, Lord, will you give us today our daily bread? Will you meet my need? Now, the question uh, that this prayer, and this, this kind of prayer is called petition. It's it petition. It's when you're asking God uh, to do something in your life, to meet some need you have. And oftentimes the question that, that really gets raised with this is, how generous is God? Or maybe how, does, how generous does God really want to be with us in our lives? Does he really want to pour out his blessings? Because the way that we interpret this prayer, give us today our daily bread, the way we interpret it is, you know, like, don't go too big, you know? Like, ask God for just the bare minimum. Don't go crazy. Don't, don't ask him for something, you know, enormous. Be content with what you have. Don't get greedy. That's how we interpret this prayer. And, and the reason we do that is because we forget that this phrase, daily bread, actually comes from a story in Scripture. Do you remember it? Some of you maybe remember it. If you're newer to church or newer to the Bible, maybe you don't know. A daily bread is a reference when Jesus says that to a story in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus. So God's people have been freed from slavery in Egypt. God has freed his people and, and they're being led by Moses. And they're in the wilderness. They're, they're wandering in the wilderness where they can't provide for themselves. They don't have any food. They don't have any, you know, any water to drink. And so what happens is God begins to provide for them this stuff called manna. So it was called daily bread, bread from heaven. So every morning they would wake up and there would be this like bread-like substance on the ground for the entire nation in abundance. So there was enough for everybody to have as much as they could possibly want. It's, it's this manna, this bread from heaven in abundance, but only for one day. 
It only lasted for one day. And then the next morning they woke up and there was the bread again. And it was enough to feed an entire nation in abundance. But again, only for that day. And what God's trying to teach his people is dependence on him. He's trying to teach them that every single day you got to come to me. You got to trust me. He's teaching them how to live in this trust dependent relationship on him to have their needs met. And what's amazing about that is Jesus comes along in the gospels and he makes a statement about himself. In fact, we looked at this statement, right? Good Friday, I think is when we looked at, at this statement. But what Jesus says about himself is he says, I am the true bread from heaven. Yes. So he's talking about that story of the manna and, and the, the daily bread in the wilderness. And he says, that bread, that manna, it pointed to me. It pointed to me as the fulfillment of that. I am the true bread from heaven. In other words, Jesus is saying, I am the true provision that God, that's been poured out generously for you. And I'm, I'm going to give of myself on the cross so that your needs are met, not just for one day, but forever, for all of eternity, for the deepest need of your soul, for salvation. And, and so that's what Jesus promises to be. And so daily, as we ask for what we need, as we learn to come to God and ask for what we need in our lives, we are giving up this sort of independence, this, this sort of like, I'm gonna take care of myself. We're giving up the illusion that I can provide for myself and we are learning to tap into God's abundant, unbelievable riches that are available to us in Christ through prayer. That's what we're doing. Amen. So what are your needs? What are your needs? You think about, you have daily bread needs. Not just daily, you have weekly, monthly needs. You got to put gas in your car every week. Uh, my, my wife, Carrie, she loves to get a good deal on gas. I mean, she's like obsessed with getting a good deal on gas. So here's what I'm going to do with her permission. I'm going to show you an actual screenshot of a text. I'll correct all the autocorrect for you. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm going to read you this text from my wife, Carrie, that I got two Saturdays ago from her. Go ahead. You can you put that up on the screen. So out of the blue, she, she's out. It's like 930 in the morning. She's out running errands. So guess what? I have an exciting story about gas. These are the texts I get, and, and honestly, you look at that, and you're like, well, that could mean a couple of different things. <laughs> Second bubble comes in. Do you know how it went up to 377 or 379 everywhere? This is a couple weeks ago. Yesterday, I had to get gas, so I went to Alpine Meyer, and the speedway down the street was 379 a gallon. Meyer was still 344 a gallon, so with M-Perks, I ended up getting it for 333 a gallon when it was down to a quarter tank. I saved so much money. <laughs> now... I'm weird enough that I, when she sent me that, I sat down and I did the math about how much money she actually saved. So at 333 a gallon instead of 379 a gallon to fill up our 2007 Honda Odyssey from a quarter of a tank to full, Carrie saved maybe $6. That's what she saved, okay? That was it. I wanted to text her back like, well, hallelujah, let's go to Disney, you know. Get the steak at Meyer, not the hamburger, you know. I don't text her those things, though. I just think them in my head. I don't want to die, so I just think them. I don't, I don't text them. But that's how we are so much of the time with prayer. We get so excited about these tiny, small, little things, these small, little needs that we ask for. And, and don't get, get me wrong. God cares about the little needs of our lives. He cares about the $6 savings needs of our lives. But he's capable of so much more. You see this over and over again in the New Testament. Paul says in Philippians 4.19, he says, My God can supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Amen. All your needs 
not just the small ones, according to his riches. Not according to his leftovers or according to his just whatever he's willing to part with for you. According to his riches in glory. And story after story in the Gospels paints this picture of the generosity of God, of how generous he wants to be to us through our relationship with Jesus Christ. But the key is we have to ask. You see that again and again in the stories in the Gospels. You have to ask. I'll give you a couple examples. John 5, there is a man who's been, the text says he's been crippled for 38 years. He's been lame. He can't walk. 38 years. He's laying by the healing pool in Bethesda. And the belief was that every once in a while the water would get stirred and, and the first person that could get into that healing pool, into that water, would be miraculously healed. Jesus comes along. He's walking in that area. He walks up to this man who's been crippled for 38 years and he says, hey, do you want to get well? And you read it, it's like, seriously, Jesus? The guy's been crippled for 38 years. He's laying by the healing pool. What do you think? I think maybe he wants to get well. But what's so fascinating about that story is when Jesus asks that question, the guy, you can go read it later, he doesn't answer the question. What he does instead is he begins to go through this long list of excuses. Well, nobody helps me. You know, somebody always gets in the water before me. And literally, Jesus is standing there like, I am the healing you've been waiting for. It's me. It's not in that pool. It's me, right, standing before you. Do you want to get well? You have to ask for it. Jesus is trying to teach that man. He's trying to teach all of us as we see ourselves in him that it's not enough to just sit by the pool and hope for a miracle. We have to ask in faith. We have to ask big. Mark 10 is another story. Blind beggar Bartimaeus is sitting by the side of the road and he's crying out. Jesus walks up to him and picks him out among this huge crowd. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> Seriously? Jesus, the guy is blind. He's begging by the side of the road. What do you think he wants to do? What he wants you to do for him? But Jesus doesn't heal blind Bartimaeus until he says, I want to see Jesus I want to be able to see. And the learning there is it's not enough to just sit in the crowd and hope for a miracle. I'm thrilled you came to church this morning. I'm thrilled you're, I'm thrilled you're watching online. It's great that you came here. It's not enough just to sit in the crowd at church and just hope something awesome happens. You have to ask. You have to be willing to come to him. Acknowledge who he is and ask big. So do you know you know what it is you want him to do in your life? Can you name it? Uh, that's what he invites us to do. There's two reasons why I think we don't ask a lot of times. The first reason is we've already got some way that we think we're going to provide for our own daily bread, for our own needs that we have in our lives. I've got it. Thank you very much. I don't need you. Or the other reason we don't ask oftentimes is because we don't believe in the inexhaustible, unbelievable riches that are available to us in Christ. We just don't think he's capable of a whole lot. So if there's anything I want you to get out of today, if there's anything I want you to take away or write down or whatever, this would be the line. You can go ahead to that next slide. Jesus is not surprised that we have needs. He is only concerned with where we go to get our needs met. Jesus is not, he's not surprised that you have needs, okay? He knows you. 
He knows your life. He sees you every single day with the struggles that you have. He's not surprised that we have needs. He's only concerned with where we go to get our needs met. Because let's be honest, all of us, we have our own daily bread patterns, don't we? You have somewhere you're going to get your daily needs met. How, how would you fill in this line right here? Every day I, what, what would it be? Every day I, I visit this website. Every day I drink this drink. Every day I binge eat this food. Every day I check how many likes and how many comments I got on the post. Every single day I check my bank account to see, how, why do we do that? Why do we go back again and again to those things? It's because at some level it comforts us. Those things, they comfort us. They, they bring some sort of uh, you know, need is being met in that. Now maybe it's only being met temporarily and maybe not in a really healthy or really good way. Uh, but there's a reason we keep going back again and again and again. It's because at some level it does meet a need. And for us it's become our daily bread. Those things have become the very places that we go to, to get our needs met. And so Jesus says, I want you to come to me and ask big. He says, what do you want me to do for you? I've got the power to break addictions. I've got the power to heal. I've got the power to provide. I've got the power to bring breakthrough and mental health. I've got that power. What do you want me to do for you? But you've got to ask. You've got to ask. Now, there are a couple of, of objections to this. Oftentimes, whenever we talk about this kind of stuff in the church or when we look at these stories in Scripture, and I'll just be honest, these two objections have risen up in my spirit more than once. So I just want to talk about those for a second. So uh, a couple of objections. First one is oftentimes we'll say, you know, if God knows what I need before I ask him, then why does he want me to ask him? If God knows already what I need before I ask him, right? That's what the, the scriptures say. God already knows our needs. Well, then why do I have to come and ask him? Hey, what, is he just like trying to prove a point or something? Here, here's the reason. It's because asking fortifies the relationship that we have with God as our father through our relationship with Jesus. He wants to provide for us. He wants to heal us. He wants to be our sustainer. And what it does is asking it emphasizes and fortifies this relationship that we have with God as the one who can provide for us. We're in relational dependence on him for what we need. Um, this is a, a fascinating thing. Later on in the Sermon on the Mount, by the way, the Lord's Prayer is in something called the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel. So this is just a little bit later in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verses 9 through 11. Jesus returns to this subject of asking, and he says this, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Do you see this? The picture Jesus is giving us is relational with God as our Father. It's not an awkward meeting with a bearded wizard, you know, like kind of like trying to get the formula correct. He's our Father. Uh, oftentimes, I really believe this. As Christians, we do not understand the access that we have to God. It, through our relationship with Jesus, what, what the scriptures say is when we become a Christian, so when you put your faith and your trust in the person of Christ, 
what happens, the Bible says, is that we've been adopted into the family of God through Jesus, through what he's done. And so now you are a son. Now you are a daughter of your father, of your heavenly father. You have access to God like that, like a son or like a daughter has. Amen. I'll illustrate it this way. I, I just want to say, I love you guys. I, I love new life. I love, I love being here. Thank you, Dan. I love you guys, all of you. Um, but I will just tell you this, if you come to my house at 3 a.m. and you walk into our bedroom and you wake me up and you say, Pastor Brian, can I have a drink of water? I'm going to punch you in the face. That's, I'm just telling you, it's not going to go well. But how many times has one of my four boys done exactly that? They've come into our bedroom at 3 a.m. They wake me up and say, Dad, can I have a drink of water? And I will get out of bed and I will go and I will get him a drink or I'll wake Carrie up and say, hey, can you take care of that? Can you get, just being honest. Why? Because they're my kid, you're not. They have access to me that nobody else has. I, I love all of you. I love my boys too. I want my boys to know they don't just, that I just don't love them. I want them to know they have access like nobody else has, even now. I have a 21-year-old who's getting married this next month. Even now, he called me up on, uh, on Friday and said, hey, Dad, my tailpipe fell off of my car. I don't know what to do. I, I canceled a meeting and drove over there with zip ties to help him zip tie up his... Literally, this just happened. Why? I won't do that for anybody else. It's because he has access to me. I want him to come to me and ask for what he needs. That's the point. Second objection... And this one goes a little bit deeper. How do I know God will give me what I ask for? How do I know God will give me what I ask for when I ask? Sometimes I say no to my boys, right? This is not the prosperity gospel. There are times where I say no uh, to my children, even in a lot of times it's because I love them and I don't give them what they ask for. But this is a major objection we have. How do I know that God, you know, if I get my hopes up, and I actually begin to believe, and then I ask, and he doesn't do it, what then? How, how do I know? How do I not get my expe expectations up only to be robbed, only to be disappointed, only to be let down again? How do I know God is going to give me what I ask for? Here's the answer. You don't. But is that, should that stop you from asking? Should that stop you from coming before him and asking? A couple months ago, I had uh, a meeting with a parent of a special needs child. They, this uh, parent had asked to meet with me. They go to one of our Zero Collective churches. And um, to be honest with you, my wife Carrie and I, we have a really special place in our heart for parents of special needs kids, parents who are finding out that their child has some kind of disability or some kind of special needs. And the reason for that is because our third son, Aaron, has autism. And Aaron did not speak at all until he was four and a half years old. Uh, there was a period of time there where we, we didn't know if he was ever going to speak. We didn't know if we, we were ever going to hear him say dad or mom. Um, and uh, he didn't even know who his brothers were. He didn't even know he had brothers. 
And I will tell you that the story today is such a, it's such a different picture. Aaron today, he's 17 years old. He um, is diploma tracked at Rockford, a student at Rockford High School, meaning he's going to graduate with a diploma. He's transitioned out of the autism classroom. He just has a little bit of help, but he's mainstreamed into all the main classes. Uh, he just last year, he got the Example of Excellence Award at Rockford High School. And then, yeah. And then... Uh, a couple months ago, he ended up getting the highest grade in the class on the written exam for driver's ed, like the highest on the, the written test. Now, he's still terrifying to drive with, let me tell you that. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. But Carrie and I, on a regular basis, our minds are just blown. I mean, we prayed for it. We, we asked for it. We're, we are blown away at just the development, the obstacles he's overcome. And so I'm meeting with this parent a couple of months ago, and, and uh, this parent is right in the midst of the worst you know, of, the, of that journey, where it's, it literally feels like dreams that you have for your child die with every doctor's appointment, with every evaluation. And all these questions that just go unanswered, you know, wh- how far are they going to go in life? What are they going to be when they grow up? Will, will they be independent? What's going to happen to them when I die? Who's going to care about them and, and take care of them? These are questions that go unanswered for years and years. And so I'm meeting with this special needs parent, and here's the question they wanted to ask me. The whole point of the meeting, the whole reason they wanted to get together. Brian, how did you know that Aaron was going to develop and overcome those obstacles? How did you know? How did you know it was going to happen? What were the signs? Well, can, can you tell me how, how that worked? And so here's the answer I gave them. As honestly as I could, I said, I didn't know, but I believed that it could happen. And that actually is the more important thing. I I said to that parent, listen to me. Knowing whether or not it will happen is not your job. That's not your job. But believing it can happen is your job every single day. So get up and ask. Rise up in faith and ask. Do you see how that applies to your life? Do you need healing? Is that what you need? It's not your job to know whether or not it's going to happen. It is your job to believe it can happen every single day. That's your job, to rise up in faith and ask him. Do you need provision in some area of your life? It's not your job to know if he's going to provide, how he's going to provide, is he going to provide in my timeline when I want him to? Not your job. But it is your job every single day to believe that he is a provider, that he is a father who gives good gifts to his children, and to ask. Do you see it? As I think about my own life, and I think about where do I need God right now, um, this past month, the month of March, uh, was um, scan time for me. So every, every six months, I go in and I get full body CT scans. Uh, and basically, the, the whole point of that is to determine whether or not the cancer is still in remission. I have a form of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma that I've had since I was 38, and I was diagnosed. And so this uh, most recent month, I went in, went in for the doctor's appointment, and here's the good news. The CT scans show that I'm still in remission. So praise God for that. Yep. But, but there are uh, a couple of suspicious lymph nodes that they're keeping an eye on. And so my doctor's appointment ended up me being me talking with my doctor about next round of treatment and what that's going to look like. 
and uh, what options are going to be available because they are expecting it to come back at some point. And so I am asking God for healing. That's what I'm asking him for. Um, a couple of months ago, uh, our whole staff at Zero Collective was at a, an event, a, like a pastor's conference. Brad and Sam were actually there. And um, the presenter, uh, the, the conference wasn't about healing. And in fact, the presenter, had, had, healing had nothing to do with what he was talking about. But at this one point, uh, the guy who was on the stage literally, said, literally just said, hey, I just feel like the Holy Spirit's prompting me that uh, if anybody wants healing, and he, and he literally reaches into his backpack that he had with him, and he, and he takes out this little vial of anointing oil, and he just sets it on the edge of the stage, and he says, I just feel like if, uh, if anybody in this room needs healing, the Holy Spirit's just inviting me to just say, you can come up right now. Come up with somebody you're sitting with and just anoint them with oil and pray over them to be healed. And what he was doing there is he was referencing a very specific verse in the Bible. It's James 5.14. And what it says is, is anyone sick? Then what they should do is they should ask the elders of the church to come and anoint them with oil and pray for them to be healed. So it's not weird. You just take a little bit of this anointing oil, you put it on the person's forehead, and you just pray for them in Jesus' name that they would be healed. And again, we weren't there for healing, but when that guy set that vial of anointing oil out, I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me right where I was sitting to say, Brian, you should turn and ask David Dorner to go up there with you and be anointed with oil and ask him to pray over you to be healed. You, you guys have met David, many of you. David uh, serves on our staff. He and I were just happened to be sitting together at this conference. David is taking over as the lead pastor of Frontline right now. And I just felt this strong prompting, turn and ask him, and I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. I mean, that's not what we were there for. You know, I, I didn't want to go up front in front of everybody where everybody could see me and make this scene of it. I didn't want to, I, I thought that was going to be weird for David. I didn't want to put that on him. So I just sat there. 45 seconds goes by. We're singing. A minute goes by, and it's just pressing so hard on me. I know I'm supposed to ask. So finally, I turned over to David, and I said, uh, Hey, man, will you go up there with me? Will you just anoint me with oil, oil and pray over me to be healed in Jesus' name? And David's response, he said, Yes. He goes, I wanted to do that, but I felt like I was supposed to wait for you to ask. Of course. That's how it works. That's how it works. You are a son. You're a daughter. And there are unbelievable riches in Christ that are available to you through prayer. And Jesus asks us, he says, do you want to be well? What do you want me to do for you? It's not my job to know whether or not God's going to heal me, but it is my job to believe that he is a healer every single day and to ask him to do it. And so here's what I thought I'd do. I thought I would uh, just pass uh, that blessing forward. And so this is anointing oil. It's all it is. And I'm just gonna, um, I'm just gonna set it right there. We're just gonna leave it right there. And if there's any of you in this room, you're sitting next to someone and you know the Holy Spirit's saying, I just, I would love for you to come up front and uh, just, Anoint me with oil and pray over me to be healed. You could do that. Uh, we've got our, our prayer team that's going to be available. Praise God. Come on up. You can do it now. Go ahead and do it now. 
Our prayer team's gonna be available if you don't have anyone specifically with you. They, they'd be happy. They have anointing oil as well in the room. Uh, and maybe it's provision you're looking for. Whatever it is, it, here's the thing. If it doesn't happen in your life and you never ask God to do it, it's on you if it doesn't happen. Do you see that? He's a generous God who wants to pour out his blessings on his children. So let, let's just pray and then we'll go into this time as we worship. Um, in fact, would you just stand up with me in the room? Jesus, we just acknowledge right now that you are a healer and you're inviting us. Uh, God, you're asking us the question, do you, do you want to be well? What do you want me to do for you? So, uh, God, right now we just come to you and we ask, Lord, give us our daily bread. We ask you to meet the needs of our lives, whatever that is. God, we cry out to you. We recognize that you are a God who heals. We recognize that you are a God who, who draws near to us. And, God, uh, it's not our job to know whether you're going to do it or not, but it's, it's our job to ask and believe. And so we're asking, would you move, Holy Spirit? Would you do it? In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen.